a little girl was in her bedroom. Her dad went back to tell her good night, and he saw as he walked in the door, she was on her knees, and she was praying. And she was praying the ABCs. A, B, C, D, E, on and on. And over and over again, she prayed them. And when she finished and she said amen, she got up and her dad said, Honey, that was beautiful, but why were you praying the ABC? She said, Dad, I didn't know what to say. I just gave him all the letters and let him put the words together. And, and you know, maybe sometimes that's the way we go to the Lord. We don't know what to do. And I'm sure it thrills God's heart to see a little girl on her knees lifting up anything to him. But we need to think about our prayers. I mean, our prayers should have some substance to them. They should have some content. I mean, why do we pray? Because we want to reveal something to God. Now, He knows, and I think prayer is probably more for us than it is for Him, but still, He's called us to be people who pray. Today, we're continuing our series, uh, Basics of the Faith, and we're going to talk about prayer today, and hopefully we'll come to a greater understanding of what prayer is. I mean, what do we do? Do we just go to God when we need something? Hey, God, I need a favor. Or do we just go to God because, you know, we, we're, we're in some difficulty and we don't know what to do? Do we go to God for, for wisdom? You know, why do we pray and why should we pray? We're, we're going to think more about that today. And, and I raise the question, how should we understand prayer? How should we understand what prayer really is? You know, men have been praying since the beginning of time. You go all the way back to Genesis chapter 4, verse 26 says, At that time, men began to call on the name of the Lord. And so prayer is something that men, it seems, naturally begin to do. They begin to talk to God and ask God to do something. So we're going to think about this idea of prayer today. And we're going to start in the Scripture in Colossians chapter 4. We're just going to look at one verse there and kind of spring from that verse. Of course, the book of Colossians was written by the Apostle Paul. It was written to a church in a little town called Colossae. And this particular town, the church had probably been started by a man named Epaphras. And uh, he was one of Paul's converts. And uh, he had brought Paul a message. Now, Paul's in prison in Rome. He's in a rented house. That's the way the Romans did it. You had to rent your own house, and they sent a guard over there to stay with you. And he's in this house. He can't leave, uh, but he uses his time to write letters. And Epaphras comes to him and says, Paul, this church is having some problems. We write to him, and he does. He writes to encourage and to refute some of the false teachings that are creeping in. But, uh, but this particular verse caught my eye one day as I was doing my study, and I thought, you know, this is important for us to know. Paul thought it was important for the church to know, and here's simply what it says, Colossians 4.2, Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Devote yourselves to prayer being watchful and thankful. Why would we be watchful? Well, we're looking, what should we be praying for? And we're being thankful. We, we thank God for what He has done for us. 
But the first thing I want us to think about here is this word devote. We should devote ourselves to this spiritual discipline. Now, maybe you don't understand the spiritual disciplines. There are a number of spiritual disciplines, and different people can give you different lists of them. But some of the spiritual disciplines that we should be disciplined to involve ourselves in are Bible reading, Bible study, worship, fasting, meditation, solitude, serving, confession, and prayer is definitely one of the spiritual disciplines we should involve ourselves in. It's something we should do regular. Uh, Paul writes to this church, and he says, not just pray, but he says, be devoted to prayer. You know, what does that word devoted mean? It means to be consistent in it, to be loyal, to do it regular, to make it a, a, a priority in your life. So prayer should be something that we prioritize. I think that we ought to set a regular time for our prayer life and then pray even other times throughout the day. Some people pray early in the morning. That's my favorite time. Uh, some pray during the day. I had a friend that uh, would eat lunch by himself, and that was his prayer time. I know people that pray at night before they go to bed. They, they spend time in prayer then. The key is that we, put, we set a time and we pray regularly. Now, that's not the only time we pray, but that we have a regular prayer life. And when something gets in the way of that, some appointment, some emergency, we make sure that we do it later. The key is you do what works for you and you form a habit so that you're regular in prayer. And here's a good reason why, because prayer is communication with God. That's what prayer is, it's talking to God. I learned this acrostic some years ago that I use in my prayers most of the time. It's the, the words... The, the letters P-R-A-Y. P stands for praise and thanksgiving. So I begin my prayer with praise and thanksgiving. And then the R is for repentance. You spend some time thinking about your life and where you fall short of what God wants you to be. Maybe some sins that you need to uh, keep working on and you're repenting of those. But you spend time telling God, you know, I, I'm sorry, God, that I've fallen short in these areas and, and, uh, and let him work on that. The, the A is for ask. You know, that's part of what prayer is, is asking God to do something. Intercession would be to ask on behalf of somebody else. And maybe we petition God on behalf of our own self. We ask God to heal us or give us wisdom or provide something that we truly need. And then the why stands for yield. What does it mean to yield? To slow down and give way to another. We slow down and we give way to God and we listen. And we think, okay, God, now I, I've spoken. What, what do you have to say? And we listen for God. You probably won't hear an audible voice. But usually God speaks to us by putting ideas or thoughts into our mind. Maybe he leads us to a scripture that will help give us an answer to a prayer. Uh, maybe uh, he uh, 
tells you know gives you the idea that you need to go see somebody or perhaps uh, he confirms for you that some thought you had is probably the right direction you should go or maybe he gives you a prohibition he just gives you the overwhelming sense that what you were thinking about doing you shouldn't do but if you listen and you pay attention I think God speaks to us Jesus said in John 10, 27, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. And he's not talking about literal sheep. He's talking about his followers, those that believe in him. They can hear his voice. And the more you grow spiritually, the, learn, the more you will learn to discern the voice of God. Of course, the voice of God is always going to line up with the principles taught in the Word of God. And often... God will confirm certain things for us if we pay attention. He may close the door, and that says, you're not supposed to go that way. He may open a door that leads us down a path to where he wants us to go. He may put godly people in your life that will say something that is, that is an answer to your prayer. Or someone may give you something that you need to be an answer to a prayer. Maybe circumstances work out. But prayer should be a two-way street. Prayer should be us talking to God and then us listening to God. So be honest with God. And make sure you go on listening. He may not immediately give you the answer to your prayer. I, I've got some things in my life I've been praying about. And we were at the uh, Christian Church Conference this weekend, the Spire Conference that used to be called the North American Christian Convention. And some of the things that the speakers said this week spoke into some of the things that I've been praying about and just, and just confirmed what I had already been thinking. And so if we listen, if we pay attention, God will speak. It's communication with God. Thirdly, I want you to know there are some conditions for effective prayer. I'm going to give you seven of these conditions. And you may say, oh, we can't just, any old body can't just go to God and pray. Well, they can. I don't know how effective their prayers will be. But here's the first one. Pure motives. Listen to what Psalm 66, 18 says. If I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. You understand the Lord can choose whether he listens to your prayer or not. He doesn't have to hear your prayer. He can shut his ears. If I had cherished sin in my heart. Or this one, James chapter 4, the end of verse 2 and the beginning of verse 3. You do not have because you do not ask. And when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives. So our motives need to be pure when we go to pray. If you come before God with pure motives, really wanting to know what, what He wants you to do or, or to have what He wants you to have, uh, and we come because we are truly devoted to Him and we desire to live for Him, God's going to be way more apt to listen to that prayer and act on that prayer. Listen, I heard about a guy that was, he was supposedly a believer and he was going to court and he was late and, 
And uh, he was afraid the judge was going to get on to him, so he prayed, Lord, if you'll just help me find a parking spot, I promise you, I will, I will serve you. I'll start attending that Sunday school class at church. And he said, Amen. And he opened his eyes, and there was a parking spot. And he said, Never mind, Lord, I found one. That's not, a, that's not the right motive. You know, we, we truly, we, we need to have the right motive when we come before God to serve Him. Listen, I want to take you to a passage of Scripture over in Isaiah 59. And I'll be honest with you, the first time I discovered this Scripture, it kind of scared me for a minute. But I want you to hear what God spoke through Isaiah to the nation of Israel about prayer. Surely, this is verse 1, Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor is His ear too dull to hear. But your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden His face from you so that He will not hear. You hear what I'm saying? God just may shut His ears to your prayers. So we need to come before Him with the right motives. Second condition is we need to desire for God's will. In Matthew 6.10, Jesus is uh, teaching in the Sermon on the Mount, and he offers this prayer. We call it the Lord's Prayer. It's sort of a, a model prayer. And in the beginning of that prayer, he says, Matthew 6.10, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus is saying this is how we should pray. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Now the kingdom is here, but the prayer there seems to me that, that God wants us to want the kingdom on earth to mature so it becomes more perfect like the kingdom in heaven. So we need to desire God's will be done in whatever situation we're praying about. You know, and, and rightly so, because God... He sees the big picture. He sees the future. He knows things that we don't even know. And you know, God's going to give you an answer, and sometimes that answer, and if you've been around Central very long, you know what I'm going to say. It may be yes. It may be no. God may say maybe later. And sometimes I, I really do. I think God looks at us and says, John, you've got to be kidding me with that prayer. But God's going to give us an answer. Years ago, when I first had been in the ministry, we were poor. We, you know, we had, I'd done four years of Bible college, and we struggled through that, and God provided, and we made ends meet. But I had a beat-up old car, and I'd been in the ministry a couple years and was starting to make a full-time salary now. And I said, Lord, I think I need to drive a better car as a minister of this church. People might look down and think that people don't pay me or the, the, the church is poor or I'm not a good manager. I, I need a better car. and I wanted a nice new Ford pickup truck. I told the Lord it didn't have to be brand new, but it needed to look decent. And I prayed. And as I was praying, just this thought come into mind and said, 
Don't overspend. You know your budget. And so I took that as a sign to go start looking and see if I could get one. And when I went out to look at one of these Ford pickup trucks, it was twice as much as I had in my budget to spend. And when I heard that number, I said, God's telling me no. Because I this number that I felt like God was telling me to spend on the payment, and if I couldn't get it for that number, I was not going to get it. So I didn't get that truck. Boy, am I glad I didn't get that truck. Because I would have been in debt. But you know what some people do? They'll pray to God and they'll get in their mind, I want this new Ford pickup truck. And they'll go get it and say, the Lord will figure out how to make the payments. You know what that's doing? That's putting God to the test. And if you, you go back to Matthew chapter 4 when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness. And you know, uh, Satan came and tempted him. Jesus was fasting for 40 days and, and, and Satan said, well, won't you make yourself some bread out of these stones? Jesus said, no, God doesn't want me to do that. And he says, he took him up to the pinnacle of the temple and he said, why don't you throw yourself off and angels will swoop in and save you and then everybody will know how important you are. And Jesus says, no, God says, do not put the Lord your God to the test. You know, sometimes we get in our head we want something and we put the Lord to the test by going out and charging up on credit or making something we can't afford, and then we expect God to figure out how to pay it. You know, we're on our knees saying, Lord, how are we going to pay all these bills? That's putting the God to the test. And God doesn't want us to do that. We need to desire His will. And so if He says no, if you can't get it for this, then don't get it. But seek out His will in whatever you do. Third uh, condition is faith. Hebrews eleven six and without faith it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. You know, when we pray, we got to believe that God actually hears our prayers and that he's going to respond. And sometimes we'll have to wait. You know, most often God works through people and if God's working through people, then he's... He's got to, to convince these people they need to do what maybe it needs to happen to answer your prayer. And, and, and so sometimes it takes time for God to respond. In Matthew 7, 7, Jesus says, Ask and it will be given you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. So we don't just go to God and dump everything in his lap. It says ask, but it also says seek. You know, if we got an illness, sometimes we have to seek out a remedy. Sometimes we have to seek out a doctor. Knock. Sometimes, you know, you got to go to the doctor. You got to go in the door. And sometimes that's the way God works. But we got to have faith that God is going to work. And listen, if God says no to your prayer, then you've got to have enough faith to say, okay, that's not the best thing for me. That's not the way I should go. Fourthly is unselfishness. Philippians 2.3, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility value others above yourself. 
You know, prayers should focus on what's best for the kingdom. What's best for my life within the kingdom in God's eyes. Not necessarily be me-centered. Now, it's okay to pray for yourself. If you have an illness, you should pray to God. He tells us to. If you have, uh, if you have a genuine need, if you need wisdom in certain situations, but you can't expect God to operate like a genie in a bottle. You know, where he pops out and says, your wish is my command. No, we pray. He is a loving God. He desires what's best for us in the long run and what's best for his kingdom considering our lives. Number five, we ask in Jesus' name. Jesus told us when we pray to ask in his name. Now, why would he do that? Some people treat that as a magic formula. They don't even think about what they're saying, you know. I hear people pray and they say, in Jesus' name. And they don't even think about what they just said. We should really think about that. Because when you ask in Jesus' name, you're asking that that prayer, the answer to that prayer, would best represent Jesus. You're praying in his name. We shouldn't do that flippantly. In fact, if you don't even think about it, if you just say it, out of rote memory, that's borders on taking the Lord's name in vain. So when we ask in Jesus' name, we should be serious about that and think about what we've just asked for. Is it really something that Jesus wants for our lives? Number six, pray with a forgiving spirit. You know, back in the Lord's Prayer again in, in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus uh, was, was offering up that model prayer. And he said in there, toward the end of the prayer, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Now he's, here's a model prayer for us. So we should be willing to forgive those. We ask for forgiveness for ourselves. But down at the end of that section, verse 14, listen to what Jesus says. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sin, your Father will not forgive your sin. You understand your forgiveness is contingent on how you treat other people. And I don't think God's in the habit of answering the prayer of unforgiving and unrepentant people. So we should make sure when we pray, we have a forgiving spirit. Lastly, there should be sincerity in our prayers. Back again in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, Jesus said, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. I think he was probably talking about the religious elite, maybe the Pharisees. Because listen to what he says. For they love to... Pray, standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. When you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, 
For they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. So we don't pray like hypocrites, you know. We're, we're praying just to be seen. Or pray like the pagans that pray often memorized prayers. They don't even think about the words and they just pray these things over and over again hoping to stir up one of their many gods. Our prayer must be sincere. It must be from the heart. It must be thought about in the mind. And we come humbly before God the Creator. Now some might say, well, how's the posture of prayer? If we're going to be sincere, should we be on our knees? Should we have our eyes closed and our head bowed? Should we clasp our hands? There's an old poem that speaks to this. You may have heard it, the prayer of Cyrus Brown. The proper way for man to pray, said Deacon Lemuel Keys, and the only proper attitude is down upon his knees. No, I should say the way to pray, said Dr. Reverend Wise, is standing straight with outstretched arms and fixed and upturned eyes. Oh, no, 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 said Elder Snow. Such posture is too proud. A man should pray with eyes fast closed and head contritely bowed. It seems to me his hands should be astutely clasped in front and both thumbs pointing toward the ground, said Dr. Reverend Blunt. Last year I fell in Hodkins' well head first, said Cyrus Brown, with both my heels sticking up and my head pointing down. And I made a prayer right then and there, best prayer I ever said, the prayingest prayer I ever prayed, standing on my head. You know, I don't think God really is concerned so much about whether we're on our knees or our eyes are closed or heads are bowed or our hands are clasped as much as He cares about what's in our heart. That it's sincere. That we're seriously coming before Him because there are matters that we need to bring. That there are others maybe that we, we are concerned about that we want Him involved in their lives. That we have situations that we know that we need His help and we can't handle on our own. So think about these conditions, these seven. Pure motives, desire for God's will, faith, unselfishness, Jesus' name, forgiving spirit, and sincerity. And see if that doesn't help your prayer life. One last thing. The Holy Spirit sometimes assists in prayer. You know, there are times when we may be at a loss and we just don't know what to do or how to pray, but God promises to be there for us even in those times. In Romans chapter 8, verse 26 says, In the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness, we do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And He who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. See, in those times when you're at a loss for maybe what you should pray, just remember, 
Trust the Holy Spirit to be there for you and to bring your prayers to God. So here's our connection. You know, God promises to answer the prayers of the righteous. James chapter 5, verse 16. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. But don't get the idea that you have to be self-righteous because none of us can be righteous on our own. In fact, again, back in the book of Romans, in chapter 3, it says, But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of His blood. You see, we are made righteous by the blood of Jesus Christ when we believe in Jesus. So if we believe, have these repentant hearts that we regularly go before God. He will hear our prayers. He will answer our prayers. So devote yourself to prayer. Communicate with God. Think about these conditions and rely on the Holy Spirit when you don't know what to do. Prayer is powerful and effective and it's one of the basics of the faith. God, we do thank you today for the gift of prayer that you have uh, enabled us, in fact, called us to bring our requests before you. And so, Father, I pray that you help us to have the right spirit within us, the right attitude as we come before you and lift up our prayers to you through your Son, Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen.